0: How can we, as creative educators and entrepreneurs, find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by, and share our vision, all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced? Hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle Podcast. I'm a teacher, mom to three toddlers, self-proclaimed French fry connoisseur, and a marketing and launch strategist to teachers. I'm answering all your burning questions about starting and growing an online business using your teacher genius. In these podcast meets magazine style episodes, I'll give you simple mindset shifts, business tips and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We're going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. On today's episode of the Teacher Hustle Podcast, I'm doing something a little bit different. I thought we would try a different format today. Instead of doing my usual, I am actually going to round up some of my top five tips from prior podcast episodes that are really just good tips, little gold nuggets along the way. And I'd also like to uh, provide some of my thinking now Usually it's the same, but I'll add some of my commentary now um, and provide some updates on some of the guests that we've had in the past and hopefully put together a really nice episode with a focus on teachers who are new to the online business space. So these top five tips that I'm pulling from past episodes all have to do with advice I kind of wish I would have had when I was starting out in business. And then I find myself repeating a lot when I work with teachers who are new to online businesses. So if you are new to business, this is definitely one to tune into. And then I'll also be sure to mark down which season and which episode it was where the clip came from so that you can go back and listen to that episode in its entirety if you'd like to. Okay, the first clip that I'm bringing to you actually comes from season one, episode eight. So I was brand new to podcasting. You might notice a difference in my audio quality. Um, and, And what I'm really talking about in this clip is that it's important when you're starting out with your online business to have a community. And this is something that has really gotten me through not only the beginning stages of my business, but also all the growing pains along the way. I'm not sure what I would do if I wasn't connected with some of the people that I've connected with in the online space. People who have talked me through difficult times, people who have been there to bounce ideas off of when I just needed to kind of think things through, people who are going through this same journey, understand this lifestyle that we're living in the business world and understand what it means to have big goals and big dreams and to not kind of keep yourself small. And so surrounding myself by people who I met online who will share these same values has just been an absolute game changer. And so in this clip, I tell you why that's so important, but I also tell you exactly how to find people, because I don't think that's as intuitive as it sounds. How do you actually connect with people for accountability and for different connection pieces and collaborations, and where do you find them? And so that's what I'll talk about in this clip. Why are we so quick to minimize the work that we do? It's because... It's comfortable to be small. It's more comfortable to remain humble about our aspirations and accomplishments. It's uncomfortable to stand out, to be different, to be visible, to want something more, to put yourself out there. It's way more comfortable to say, oh, oh, that online thing, it's no big deal. It's just something I do, you know, when I have a little extra time. This business is not just something you do in your spare time, let's face it. Cleaning is something you do in your spare time. Reading is something you do in your spare time. You work hard for your business, and if you're anything like me, sometimes you really prefer that work to going to the movies or going bowling or whatever your friends are doing, because... When you start to feel success in your online business, that drive grows and grows and grows, and suddenly the movies feel like a big old waste of time. And you know that I'm not saying don't go to the movies. Go if you want to. I love a good movie. But whatever you do, don't give yourself the guilt speech when you don't want to go to the movies because your self-care is different than someone else's. Your self-care is creativity. Like an artist or a writer, you love to create content or learn about marketing or to create products to dream to see those dreams through. That's wonderful. That is self-care. That's your time. You're doing something majorly huge. Let's acknowledge that. It needs acknowledgement because it deserves that. You deserve that. You're working hard to learn, to create that content, to market your product, to create a brand, all because you want to make an impact, a greater impact on classrooms around the world. You want to take your ideas to teachers and students everywhere. You want to make some well-deserved money doing it too, and that's okay. None of this is something to be taken lightly. You are an example for your kids and your students and your friends. And everyone around you for how hard work and dedication can really pay off in huge ways that we could never even have imagined. Not everyone is going to get that. Most people relax by going to the movies <laughs> to each their own. They'll ask you how you did it when you're able to buy your family a guilt free vacation at the beach. Who wants the movies now, people? The beach is way better. <laughs> so, how can we grow our circle of people who understand our drive? Because it's incredibly important to have a place that you can go to laugh and vent and cry about this side of your life. Just like you can call your mom when you mess up your cooking, or you can call your best friend to vent about your kid. You need a group of people you can chat about your business with the best place to find like-minded educators with that drive for that online business is of course online because there are tons of educators all around the world just like you and me looking for these same connections in the online space. We're looking for other people like us in the online space. So I would suggest starting with Instagram and just start engaging with other business owners that you can relate to as they pop up in your in your feed Interact with them, engage with them, the ones you connect with, the ones you have an instant like, oh, I think that we would be friends in real life. Start chatting with them. DM them. Chances are they're hoping to talk to someone like you too. And oftentimes if you get chatting with one person, they'll introduce you to others they know and all of a sudden your circle has grown. Another place to reach out to like-minded educators is Facebook groups. You might find a group inside a paid Facebook group, so a group of people that you kind of click with inside a paid group if you took a course or you belong to a membership and you have a paid group that goes with that, or you could post inside of a free group. But I do prefer the the paid groups because you know you're on the same level of commitment to your business as the others in the group, and plus you can keep your group kind of smaller on the smaller side if it's a small paid group that you're in versus a great big huge Huge free Facebook group where you might get a lot of responses back if you put out something about wanting an accountability group. So create a post that says you're looking to form an accountability group. A group of girls inside the Teacher Hustle University crew did this and it works out so well. It's informal. They have a group DM on Instagram. They check in once a week on their goals. They chat. They joke. They express their frustrations, whatever, and then they get back to work. This simple check-in gives them a place to turn for support and a group of people who will check in on other other. It's a business game changer to just have that go-to group. Local meetups can be really powerful as well, especially if you live in a larger city. So check your local meetup groups and be sure to check out the Rising Tide Society on Instagram. You can download their free guide to creating a mastermind group and sign up for the local chapter near you. Our local chapter um, met last month at a cute barn in our area. It was such a great idea. They met together and they um, took brand photos. So we had a makeup artist in the group and photographers and it just was a little fun session. It, it's so fun. You can also find local business owners to connect with on sites like meetup.com or on LinkedIn. Now our area has a co-working space and this space has quickly become my favorite spot to meet other business owners. It's not just the melt in your mouth scones or the fact that they have this really cool telephone booth you can sit in to make calls and I always want to sit in there. What I love about this space is it's centered around local business owners. Everyone there is open to chatting about all things business all the time, and they even hold classes for everything from vision board creation to calligraphy, you name it, they have a class on it. Just working in there one Saturday morning, a month even, in an environment like that reminds me that my people are out there. And I love meeting new business owners. I love networking and surrounding myself with people who understand this drive. We all have our own zone of genius, of course, but we have one thing in common. We can't shake the urge for personal and professional growth, and we are fine with that. In this next clip, it was season one, episode nine, actually right after the last episode. And here I'm talking about The importance of viral content. And to this day, I still really believe in this. I believe that creating viral content on purpose is one of the best ways to get visible, especially in the early days of your business, or especially if you feel like you've been talking to the same people over and over again and you just need new, fresh eyes on your content and on your products. And so, a couple of things I would add to this clip if I were to redo it today, I would probably talk about Trends and relevant content, and how to use those to really create this viral content. So, something I don't talk about in this clip. Is- is um keeping your keeping a pulse on what's going on in the world and really making sure that your business is responding to that both in the products and offers you create but also in the content you're creating and what you are coming out into the online space and saying. So oftentimes there will be something trending and a trend is really something that comes and goes. And so I was just talking to the THU crew a couple weeks ago in our retreat about this. It's kind of like Bernie's mittens, right? That whole thing was kind of a joke, kind of an inside joke between, I think, everybody in the world. I don't know how Bernie felt about it. But anyway, it was something that everyone found funny, and then it sort of fizzled out, Wordle is another example. It's something everybody's into right now at the time of recording this. But if you listen to it in a year, you probably can't even remember what Wordle was. It's something that comes and goes. But having a pulse on these is really important in online business because we can kind of jump into these trends. And this is something that people are already talking about. They're already excited about it. They're into it. And we can kind of hop into that and create a product or um, some content that relates to that that really captures people's attention and relevant content works much the same way. It's just more seasonal in nature. So this is content around holidays or specific things that your teachers do during certain times of the year based on their curriculum. Just knowing when people are talking about what is a really important marketing strategy. And so in this clip, I'm going to talk to you about kind of the basic or 101 way to get started with really understanding what is viral and what's trending and what's relevant. You can create viral content in your business time and time again, over and over, and I'm going to teach you how. Here's the big news. It's a mindset shift. That's the secret. You might not agree with me on this one, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you want to grow your impact faster, if you want to make more sales, listen to me right now. You have to stop creating products and offers based on what you would want. If you typically sit down to create something, whether it's on TPT or it's for your course or your membership or putting together a presentation for a PD day, if you start your brainstorming process with what you would want to hear, it's not going to resonate. This is why knowing your ideal customer inside and out benefits your business. It's why you do all those worksheets on knowing all of the things about your um, customer avatar, how old they are, what their favorite food is and what they need, um, what they need, you know, for lunch, what they ate for lunch, what they ate for dinner. It's not It's not about filling out the worksheet. It's not just about knowing everything about your ideal customer. It's about knowing what their pain points are. What do they need right now? What are they looking for right now? So here are the steps to figuring out what your ideal customer needs. I'm going to break it down for you. Write these steps down. There's three of them. The first step is figure out who your ideal customer is. Like we just said, do a worksheet or whatever you've got to do, but figure out who your ideal customer is. And if you don't know who your ideal customer is, if that brings like a big question mark for you, you may need to back up and do some serious work around your brand and your niche. If something doesn't feel right, if you don't know who your audience is, or if you know who your audience is, but you're feeling a little bored by the idea of creating what they want, it may be time for a pivot in your business. You're going to want to do that work First, that's a podcast for another day. So if there's any red flags going on around your ideal customer, stop and figure that out before you go on. Once you know your ideal customer, go on to step two, which is find your ideal customer. So wherever you already have a social media account, find your ideal customer there. Get a sampling of them and watch them. I know that sounds so creepy, but you've got to do it. In your own school, you could even decide which teachers would be your ideal customers and listen to them. When they complain, don't walk away, don't roll your eyes, don't tell them to stop. Get them to tell you more and write it down. This is viral content gold. And The more you use your ideal customer's actual words to create products, offers, and content, the more sales you're going to make. So how will you know when you've hit the mark, when you've come up with that juicy viral content? You're going to know because people are going to be in your inbox saying things like, How did you read my mind? How did you know I needed that? I've been waiting for something like this. Where have you been all my life? Those are the kinds of comments you're gonna get in your inbox. So step three is to keep paying attention. What part of your content seems to really resonate with people? Whatever it is, write it down, keep tracking it, keep creating content based on what your ideal customer is interacting with and just keep that cycle going. I love this clip, especially for people who are just starting out in business. It's from an interview I did with Felicia from Goldmine and Coco, and her business has just blown up since this interview. I think she was fairly new when we first connected. Um, And what I really love about Felicia is her mindset Um, coaching. So she has a stationary business where she sells stationary stickers and planners. They're beautiful. I I believe she had one going in Target at one point. I'll have to look back and see. But she's really her business has really taken off since this interview. And um, but she's also just really inspirational. And she really loves to empower people and she had this little piece of her interview where she was talking about the importance of saying your affirmations out loud. And if you listen to me, you know that I'm not really good with the woo and the mindset piece. And so I love that Felicia brings this and really speaks to the significance of having affirmations, especially in the early stages, and then saying them out loud until you believe them. And this is work that really was uncomfortable for me in the beginning, but that has really served me in my business. So I hope that you'll enjoy this clip with Felicia.
1: And so... Whatever that worry is, I flip it into an affirmation. So if I'm worried that I won't hit whatever goal, we'll just say monetary goal because most people relate to money before anything else. So if I say, I'm worried I won't make $5,000 this month, or I'm worried I can't pay for new supplies, right? I'll basically denounce it in my affirmation where I'll flip it and say, I will make $5,000 this month and I will be able to purchase new supplies and equipment. And it's something about saying it out loud, telling it back to yourself that, no, I'm capable of this. Because a lot of times it doesn't matter how many other people tell us we're great until we ourselves believe that we're great until we ourselves tell it, you know, tell it to ourselves, like, yo, you're dope. You're great, like you're capable of all of these amazing things. We don't believe it. And so I think it's really important to, again, call a thing, a thing, call it what it is. Hey, I'm worried about this. But once you say you're worried about it immediately denounce it because if you never call it something, you can never speak against it either. And what you think, you bring into fruition. You really do. If you always think that I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. Once you fail, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, I knew I was going to fail. I knew it wasn't going to work. Well, you never believed in yourself to start. You never thought that you could take that dream vacation, right? You never thought that your side hustle could become your new lifestyle, that it actually became your career um, in a sense because you spoke against it. But if you say, I know that I'm capable of doing these amazing things, I know that I'm talented enough to turn this idea into a great side hustle that will allow for me and my family to take two to three vacations a year. Doesn't that sound so much better than saying I'm worried about X, Y, and Z? I'm sitting over here,
0: like getting goosebumps. <laughs> I feel like you're talking straight to me. I feel very seen right now. <laughs> I, I think, you know, with as teachers, again, as a group, we're just we're very trained to feel we only deserve a certain amount. And we're very um, paycheck oriented. So I think there's a certain level of uncomfort that comes with owning a business. We're not we we are so trained to just hope we get a paycheck and hope we get paid for something. We don't expect it. And so we really have to fight against that to say, no, I will. I will buy my family an extra vacation. Mm-hmm. I will contribute to our finances. I will take that maternity leave Um, and I will make it happen because money flows through my business versus you know i just get paid a certain amount such it makes such a difference to change your mindset around all of that this next clip i may have been pretty starstruck I still remember the day I did this interview, it was my birthday. And um, the connection is not great because I was in a co-working space doing this interview because we were moving and I didn't have a great place to record. But I somehow landed an interview with my idol, Natalie Frank. She is an amazing advocate for community and collaboration. And she is one of the founders of the Rising Tide Society. Natalie gives us some great advice in this episode about how to conquer comparisonitis, how to deal with self-doubt. And this is something that always creeps up in the beginning stages. So I think you're really going to love this little tidbit from Natalie on how to deal with toxic competition, as she calls it. So can you talk to us a little bit about what toxic competition looks like and how do we know when we're
2: dealing with that? Yeah, absolutely. So it grows in the soil of scarcity. That's where it starts, right? It starts from this idea that there is not enough to go around, that maybe you're falling behind or you're falling short or you're not keeping up. You're not living into your potential. You know, it's fed by our insecurities. It's fed by... Comparison and comparing ourselves to other people, it's fed by people doubting, you know, the pursuit that you're taking on. For example, teachers, you know, if this is something you're doing as a side hustle or on the weekends, or that, you know, you've brought an additional amount of work onto your plate, you're going to have people that don't understand, that doubt that, that don't see the value of it, that question it, that consider this additional pursuit to be, you know, a glorified hobby, that aren't really seeing what you see. That all feeds into the soil of scarcity telling you that you're not enough, that there's not enough. Uh, And, and that kind of environment doesn't invite, you know, this, this larger ability to connect and grow and thrive together. What it does is it pits you against somebody else. It it makes it about survival and not about thriving and, and, you know, growing into the best version of ourselves. And, you know, my first teacher was my mom. My mom um, was really the person that before I even had a chance to go to school, taught me lessons that I carry with me to this day. And one of those lessons that she taught me, and some of you might even teach this uh, to your own students, regardless of grade level, is this idea that it's not about being the best, but it's about being our best. Whatever our unique potential is, whatever we are uniquely capable of, you know, just in the same way, if you look at a classroom full of kids or a classroom full of adults and all of us are students in life, you know, not every person sitting next to each other is the same at all in any way. They're uniquely abled, uniquely gifted, uniquely creative um, in their own way. And I think in the same way that you wouldn't want to take one kid who's great at math and another kid who is a phenomenal artist and tell them that they have to be exactly the same. And when they grow up, they have to measure up to some, you know, impossible definition of success. You shouldn't do that to yourself. We all are uniquely gifted and uniquely talented. And it's really about accepting that, embracing that and not looking at the world through this lens of if I'm not the best, then I'm not you know enough. It is about knowing that you're inherently enough, knowing that you're inherently capable, knowing that there are more than enough opportunities out there for you and just working to be a better version of the person you were yesterday. That is what this is really about. And so if anyone you know out there tells you that if you can't be the best, that you shouldn't try, um, they're lying. It's about being your best and the fact that by being your best, you're going to make an impact that only you can make in a way that's going to be received by somebody that's been waiting for you to make it. And that can be as a service provider, as a product creator, as whatever it is that you do in the small business space or as you step into Pursuing different types of side hustle, um, it's all about what you're bringing to the table. And we often talk as saturation of the market. I hear a lot of times people saying, "Well, there's already somebody doing this thing. Want to do? There's somebody out there, you know, who who does it better." That even in a saturated market, even when there are a lot of other people doing what you do, there's still room for you. And more importantly, the world still needs needs what you've got.
0: Yes, we need to write that down and stick it in front of our computers and repeat it every single day. I know a lot of the teachers I work with, there's so much going on, especially on Instagram, especially on social, where we're constantly comparing ourselves. When we get into that cycle of comparing and comparing, how do we get out of it? What exactly should we be saying to ourselves to put our energy somewhere else, somewhere more productive?
2: Yeah. So there's a technique in psychology called cognitive reframing. And I actually, um, I just finished writing my manuscript and I talk about this a little bit in my book. My sister's a psychiatrist. And so I had to check with her first and I was like, am I using this correctly? Like, am I using this framework correctly? And she laughed and she said, yes, it's a little watered down, but it's, it is the, the technique that we we often use. And so I've got a thumbs up from Dr. Caroline Frank on this one, but the idea being that, you know, cognitive reframing can really help us transform the way that we view ourselves. And as a result, um, changing that mindset and changing the way that we think about ourselves in relation to others can actually transform the way that we engage with others, right? Our mindset is sort of the first step that then impacts our actions. And we see this all the time, especially teachers. You know, you you all see this every day. The students that have confidence, that are self-confident, um, that have growth mindsets, that are able to kind of adapt, um, that all starts from within, you know, and that does change the the trajectory of when they hit roadblocks or they have difficult times. And so, um, you know, when it comes down to looking at ourselves and, and facing that comparison monster in the mirror, it starts by reframing our thoughts about ourselves and others. So, for example, um, instead of viewing somebody's wins as proof that you're not measuring up and making it, you need to change that narrative. You need to consciously catch yourself when you're having those thoughts and rewrite the script. And, um, one technique that I've done actually personally that I do when I journal is I will write down what I call the lies I'm telling myself. Um, you know, for example, uh, so-and-so just achieved this and it makes me feel like I'm falling behind. Well, let's rewrite it. So-and-so just achieved this and I'm excited for her. That's incredible. And it's proof that I can do it too. And so looking at the successes of others as evidence for the potential success in yourself, rather than evidence that you're not measuring up changes the way that you not only look at that person, but it also changes your actions toward them. Um, another technique that I've used frequently is to turn comparison into cheerleading. So it sounds a little cheesy, but the truth of the matter is it really can transform the way that you feel uh, about others and the way that you feel about where you stand um, You know, in, in your business. And that looks like if you, if you can identify maybe three people that you frequently compare yourself to, three people that you find yourself using as a measure stick, right? We, none of us like to admit this, but most of us have at least one person that we Check in on, and um, he or she or they often is the, the measuring stick that we look at. And we flip the script, and instead of comparing, we become their biggest cheerleader. We become the person that is fanning their flames, that wants to see them succeed, that is invested in encouraging them. Because the minute that we start to act in encouragement of others, it is very difficult for us to enable that comparison to turn into jealousy or envy, right? And lead us down a route where we're only poisoning ourselves. We're not, you know, we're not leading ourselves to to a place where we can really thrive and succeed. So those are sort of two techniques that I've used, changing the internal narratives and then flipping our actions towards others by becoming uh, louder advocates and cheerleaders.
0: Yeah, you're so right. And I think when we realize that there is enough to go around for everyone, there is enough abundance for everyone, then we also realize that competition is healthy and in ways it makes us more innovative and more creative. It kind of forces us to think outside the box. And as teachers, when we're serving other teachers with our businesses, we're really lifting the level of education around the world. And we're really ultimately all making each other better. And to that end, we're making education better for students and for kids. this last clip is from me. It's from season one, episode 22. And I'm talking about email marketing. So in this episode, I've curated five tips for you as a beginning online business owner, and a couple of them had to do with mindset. And a couple of them had to do with strategy. And this last one has to do with strategy. I really think um, I don't just think I know that as a beginning business owner, one of the most important first steps you can take is to start building your email list. And in this clip, I tell you why it's so important. I tell you how to tackle the tech around email marketing, and then how to start building your email list right away. And so I agree with everything I said in this clip. Still to this day, I don't know that I even have anything to add because not much has changed because nothing really ever changes when it comes to email. It's very consistent and very old school. And that's really part of the reason that I love it. The thing about email is that we have a way to personalize the communication with our perfect audience, and we don't have to fight an algorithm to do that. Think about it. Email is one of the last remaining platforms where the content is actually served to your audience in chronological order, the order in which it was received. Do you remember that? Do you remember when news feeds used to be like that? They're not anymore. Now we have to try to like figure out the secret formula. There's no secret formula with email. You send an email, it lands in the inbox. You do have a little a little work to do to make sure you don't end up in a spam folder, but that is a lot easier than trying to figure out the matrix inner workings of the Instagram and Pinterest algorithms, right? Email at least is simple enough that you know your intended audience is gonna receive your personalized communication to them. It's a way to stay in contact with a curated group of people, people who you know, you've selected them, you, you've carefully, and when I say selected, I'll tell you in a minute what I mean by selected. You've carefully curated who ends up on your email list through your strategy, and so you know they're interested in following along with what you're going to offer next. Think of it as the contact list in your phone. You have a direct line to let people know when you have a new product launching or to stir up excitement about an existing product that you just want to like take it off the shelf and dust it off and breathe life into it again. Your email list will want to hear about it. Maybe you already know email is king or queen when it comes to communicating with your audience, but you are too scared to jump into it because there's this whole idea of learning how to use an email service provider, and that feels like one more tech thing to tackle, right? There's all sorts of crazy language, opt-ins, sequences, broadcasts, landing pages, segmenting, automations. All of that can be really overwhelming to say the least, but here's the thing, to tackle the tech when it comes to email, you just need to get in the ring. You need to go to your email service provider one night, no other tasks on your plate, and just explore. It's going to have tutorials. Every good email service provider comes with tutorials. You can figure it out. It's way more simple than it sounds. It's one of those things where once you start using it, the terms become second nature, but you have to jump in and start using it to get to that point. All right. So if you're ready to start working on email marketing, you're prepared to figure out all of that crazy tech, how do you get people on your email list? You know? Besides your mom, right? The real people on your email list. Sorry, mom. Let me tell you how you don't get people on your list. You don't just stick an opt-in, which is, you know, the name and email form where you have to put in your name and email. You do not just stick that at the top of your blog and write something really clever like subscribe now, Because unless you are already famous, guys, unless you're like Joanna Gaines or something, nobody is going to subscribe to your email list when it's just sitting on the top of your blog and says subscribe now. Literally no one. Because in 2020, we know the online space, it's so noisy. We are bombarded with email opt-ins. People need to know if they're going to click If they're going to hand over their name and email address, which is pretty precious material, if they're going to choose to communicate with you, what's in it for them? What are they getting out of this? That's what they want to know. And this is where your lead magnet comes in. Your lead magnet is exactly what it sounds like. It's the magnet, right? The freebie that attracts your leads. And leads are just, it's just a fancy term for the names and email addresses that you collect and that end up on your list. They may eventually become buyers, right? Leads. And your lead magnet has to be juicy enough that people are gonna take that extra step of typing their info into that box and hitting submit. And that really is an extra step for people. It does take a bit of commitment. So your lead magnet needs to be good enough that they're like, wow, okay, I need that. I'm willing to put in my name and my email address and I'm willing to continue to communicate with this person because that lead magnet is fire and I need it. Whether you're new to business or you're just returning to this episode to get a good refresher on some tips, I hope you enjoyed these five tips from past episodes. I hope you'll go back and listen to some of them. There are lots of gold nuggets in there, and I hope this was helpful for whatever stage of journey you are in, in just pushing you forward and giving you a few next steps to take. If you're looking for help, especially we talked about email marketing, if you're thinking you really want to get started there and you want to have some swipe files to help you, I have my springtime swipe files ready for you all. They are totally free. They are social media prompts, email, subject lines, blog post prompts, all ready for you to download and use. And they are specific to this time of year. So make sure you go and download. I will make sure to link them in the show notes so that you can go grab those. Enjoy. I hope they help you save some time this spring and I'll see you in the next episode.